One of the things I really, really love about Jesus is that Jesus loved to tell stories. Jesus used lots of pictures, metaphors. Jesus didn't preach a lot of sermons. And today's gospel is a wonderful story from Jesus. It's the story of a dreamer who had a seed packet that said figs on it. Now, this story was shared for you today in the Spanish version. I'm going to tell you this story in the new revised Duanified version, okay? <laughs> so the seed packet said figs on it. And, and the, the, the dreamer planted these seeds with dreams of these amazing figs. Dreaming of the most amazing fig tree ever. And the vision of the dreamer went beyond just a tree, but dreaming of what these figs would become. Like this wonderful, delicious fig Newton cookie. So the dreamer planted the seed. And a year later comes back and is so excited because there's the tree. Wonderful tree. But where there were supposed to be figs, it was just wood. So the dreamer said, I know you can do it, baby. I know you can, can give some figs. So I'm going to pray for you. I'm going to fertilize you. And I'm going to come back in a year. And I know you're going to have some figs for me. So the dreamer is so excited and dreams of those figs. Dreams of this most amazing fig salad with balsamic vinaigrette. And comes back to the fig tree the next year. Got to be a fig in here somewhere. No figs? What's wrong with you? You know I want some figs. All right, I know you're taking your time because you want to make sure that the figs you produce are really, really good. So I'm going to love you and pray for you. And I'm going to come back in a year. And I know you're going to have some figs for me because I know you're a fig tree. So the dreamer goes away for another year and prays for the tree and dreams of the tree. And they're not small dreams. They're not just Fig Newton dreams. They're not just fig salad with balsamic vinaigrette dreams. It's like a full course fig dinner. Grilled figs with portobello mushrooms. Fig ice cream. And the owner, dreamer, comes and once again, no figs. You are not worth the soil you're planted on. I've been patient with you, I've loved on you. I said, You go, girl, and you still didn't give me any figs. You need to be chopped down and thrown away. The dreamer. Now when Jesus told the story of the fig tree that produced no figs, Jesus could have just as easily told a story of a fish that dreamed of swimming but had no fins. Or Jesus could have told the story of the cow who dreamed of giving milk but never produced. Or the bird that wanted to fly but had no wings. 
Or Jesus could have told the story of a chicken that laid no eggs. It's the story of dreams unfulfilled, figs unproduced. And if Jesus were here in person today, maybe he would tell the story of the fig tree in this way. He would tell the story of a young man whose parents were killed in a car accident in Wyoming named Ennis. Or the story of another young man named Jack who had a very demanding father who he could never please. Maybe Jesus would tell the story of two young men born to love. who came together, lonely, looking for love. Who sat around the campfire, dreaming of their lives. Who sat around that campfire, finding out that their hearts were made for each other. Finding out that they had a love that had no reins. The dreamer would tell the story of hope. What happens in the story? What happens to that love? Well, I think it's best described by that night when Jack and Ennis were sitting around the campfire. And they've been eating beans for weeks. Beans, beans, beans. And finally, Jack says, I'm sick of beans. And comes up with a plant. Why not kill one of the sheep? There are thousands of sheep around here. We don't have to eat beans. And Ennis says, well, we're here to protect the sheep, not eat them. I'll stick with beans. And Jack says, I will not. That becomes the struggle. Will they eat beans for the rest of their life? Will they have a bean-filled existence? Or will they take what God really holds for them? Will they really live with that love? Jack had this amazing vision. The vision of the dreamer. Jack had the vision that God gave him. He described that vision to Ennis. He said, you know, we can get a place, get some cows, get some sheep. And I love the line where Jack says, it would be a sweet life. And when he says it, his eyes light up. And he has this amazing smile on his face. It makes me want to just jump into the screen. Yeah, I've got a small crush on Jack. Oh, well. (laughs) But when Jack describes that amazing vision, Ennis simply says, there ain't no way. Two guys living together? No way. No way. And every time Jack shares his dream, Ennis says no. And his whole life reflects that. 
beans. A bad marriage gets divorced. For some, a divorce opens doors, but not for, not for Ennis. He was offered higher-paying jobs. They were out there, but all he could see was beans, so he kept taking those low-paying jobs. No social life. If you see the scenes in the movie, Ennis' home is always full of junk. It's never clean. It's in disarray. It doesn't look like home. As we move through the movie, we see that Ennis spends more and more of his life with the beans, dry, dreams unfulfilled, unproduced. And he ends up in a trailer with very little furniture alone. Beans. Our God has a dream for each of us. We were created to love and given that capacity. Yet if we don't fully embrace God's dream for us, we will be like that fig tree that produces no figs. We will be like that fish that has no fins. We will be like that bird that has no wings. We will be like that frog with no croak. (laughs) We were created to sing God's song, to live from the inside. And oh, how Jack wanted to go for that. Oh, how he dreamed of that. How he named his dreams. And Ennis just couldn't see past the beans. Our gospel story ends today much like Brokeback Mountain. We don't know what really, really happens in the end. We don't know where Ennis went with the rest of his life. He was only 40 when the movie ends. In the gospel, we don't know if that fig tree ever created a four-course dinner or not. But the good news is, we translate Scripture with Scripture. And our reading today from Hebrews shows us how to have the broke-back breakthrough. How to produce those figs. How to fly. How to swim. How to sing. How to love. And it's right there at the very beginning. And I love how it describes it. First of all, we can move past beams in our life by being inspired by those around us, that great cloud of witnesses. Hebrews 12.1 says, you are surrounded by this great cloud of witnesses. What is this cloud? It's, it's, it's people cheering us on. If you are immobilized in your life right now, the first thing you need to do is find somebody who is moving in their life. If you're stagnant, get around somebody that's alive. If you feel stuck, see where things are moving and get close to that place. Inspired people are inspired because they are around inspiring people. People who are living their dreams. People who keep on believing. We can choose the people in our lives in many cases. A few rare examples. Some of us are stuck with that boss. You know. But we have many choices in terms of who we will put in our life. Find people who have those dreams. And if there's not someone living, if 
you, if you find yourself surrounded by all these negative people, then, then, then read the inspiring works of great people. People like Martin Luther King or Gandhi or Ayala Van Zandt or Maya Angelou. Read the inspiring people and, and look to Jesus. Talk about an inspiring person. Live close to him, close to his life. That's that great cloud of witnesses. It was so amazing yesterday. We had over 25 of our leaders from our board of directors and our coordinating council and our staff and our lay delegates. We gathered together to find inspiration in each other. And one of the exercises was talking about the people in our lives who had given us direction or inspired us. And it was amazing to hear people talk about how their grandparents inspired them. Our former pastors, school teachers, If you want to get moving, find somebody else that's moving and join with them. I think one of the reasons that the story of Jack and Ennis is a tragedy is because they didn't have role models. They met in 1963, five years before Stonewall, five years before the founding of MCC. What if there had been an MCC in their lifetime when they met? Maybe their story would be different. That's why resurrection is so important. I pray that this would be a place of such amazing inspiration, that the inspiration we have here would go out into the community, that you couldn't wait to leave this place, to get on the phone and tell your friends about what God is doing here, about the inspiring people in this place, the inspiring music in this place, the energy in this place, a God-filled, inspiring place called resurrection, a place beyond fear, a place beyond loneliness, a place beyond doubt. That verse then moves on to the next piece. You get inspired by getting around inspiring people. And then the second thing, lay aside everything that weighs you down. If you look in your bulletins, they'll talk about those things that weigh us down. One of the things that, that Ennis says is he was caught in his own loop. Entangled. Entangled in fear. Entangled in homophobia. Entangled in those small dreams. Entangled in beans. He couldn't see past that. He was weighed down. Well, the same thing happens to us, and oftentimes it immobilizes us. We get weighed down by the lies we sometimes hear. You don't have to go very far to find a lie these days. Just open up the New Yorker magazine and look at those models they put in there. The lie that comes through those ads is we're supposed to somehow look like that. Right. Looked in the mirror lately? I look in the mirror and and I don't even begin to compare to the models I see in Out Magazine. I see these guys with these wonderful buff bodies. And somehow the lie that comes through to me is, Dwayne, you're supposed to look like that. And I look at those ads and I look in the mirror and I see hair coming out of my ears. And I'm like, God, if you're going to give me this body, at least give me an airbrush. (laughs) The lie, the the lie that we're not good enough. That if you don't drive this particular car, you're not worthy. If you don't wear these clothes, you're not quite right. Lies, lies that entangle us and get us out of focus. The reality today is you are worthy and wonderful. Actually, I just lied to you. (laughs) You're not just worthy and wonderful. You are downright hot. (laughs) In fact, you're not just hot. 
You're hotter than a firecracker. And you're not just hotter than a firecracker, you're hotter than a firecracker dipped in Tabasco sauce. <laughs> and, and you're not just hotter than a firecracker dipped in Tabasco sauce, you are hotter than a firecracker dipped in Tabasco sauce lit with a blowtorch. <laughs> That's the truth about us. Do not get weighed down by lies. Be people of inspiration, people of action, people of life. God has so much for us. We are called to produce love, to bear the fruit of love. Now, some of the things that could weigh us down are things that could actually free us to even more dynamic life. And I've watched people in this congregation, I've watched people around me And one thing I've noticed is that sometimes when people get a health diagnosis like cancer, it's like it just beats them down. It's like they almost start planning their funeral. It's like they start dying even before they're dead. And I've seen people approach it that way. Others of you have gotten a difficult cancer diagnosis or some other diagnosis, and I've been amazed at your energy and your story and your faith. I've seen so many of you say, I am going to live as long as I'm alive and I'm going to find new ways to live and this cancer is not going to defeat me and it's not going to beat me down. In fact, I'm going to become even more inspiring. I'm going to live like I've never lived before. One woman was named Francine and she got her cancer diagnosis. She went into very extensive cancer treatment, chemotherapy, a year of chemotherapy. Now many people would have been immobilized, but she went into that chemotherapy with the idea that she was going to do everything she could to live and to live better and to live stronger. She knew when her chemotherapy would end, and to celebrate that, she and her partner planned their dream vacation to San Francisco and they planned it to coincide with the end of Francine's treatment. Now the doctor said, when you first finish your chemotherapy, your body is going to be depleted. You're gonna be exhausted. I suggest that you hold off on your vacation for at least three months. And Francine's response was, no, my partner and I, we're gonna go to San Francisco and we're gonna celebrate. (laughs) We're gonna celebrate me getting through my chemotherapy. And the doctor said, I wouldn't recommend it. Well, Francine and her partner refused to be immobilized by anything a doctor would say. And they went to San Francisco. And here is Francine's description of what happened in her own words. It was wonderful. First, we ordered room service. They brought it in on a table with a cloth a half inch thick. My first meal without a tray. It was so elegant, the wine glasses and the butter carved into little flowers and the food. We sat in this lovely room overlooking a little park and ate real food that I could actually taste in the nude. (laughs) 
Then we made love. Then we took long, long hot baths and used up every single towel in the bathroom. Great big thick towels. There were 12 of them. And we used up all those delicious smelling things in the little bottles and watched two movies and ate most of what was in our little refrigerator and sat outside on the terrace in our bathrobes and saw the moon rise over San Francisco. We found all the pillows that they hide in the dresser drawers and slept in this king-size bed with eight pillows and saw the sunrise. We used it all up. It was glorious. One question, resurrection. Are you sick of beans? (laughs) Oh, I think you like beans. (laughs) Resurrection, are you sick of beans? God has so much more for us. God has given us life that we might use it up, not only for ourselves, but for others. That's the life that God holds for us. We were meant to bear fruit, the fruit of love. If you're comfortable, take the hand of someone nearby as we go to our God in prayer. God of amazing grace and amazing love, we thank you for this place called Resurrection. And I thank you, God, for filling this room with hope-filled people. Dreamer, God, you've made us to be dreamers as well. And no matter how hard we dream, your dreams will always be greater than our own dreams. So make each one of us the person you're calling us to be. Give us wings to fly. Help us swim. Give us voices that sing. Give us a taste for the very best that you offer. Oh God, I do thank you for this place called resurrection. Not a place of disgrace, but a place of amazing grace. Not a place of hopelessness, but a place of hope. Not a place of condemnation, but a place of communication, not a place of isolation, but a place of connection, not a place of exclusion, but a place of inclusion, not a place of curse, but a place of blessing, and not a place of fruitless, dried up immobilization, but a place of amazing, divine, spiritual action. Jesus Christ, giver of grace, have mercy on us as individuals. Jesus Christ, giver of grace, have mercy on this your church. Jesus Christ, giver of grace, have mercy on your world. And hear the prayers of your people who pray.